Welcome to Telling It Like It Is. I'm your host, Matt the Godfather Ely. And uh, today, for the first time, but not the last, Zara's in the house with us today, co-hosting. Hi, everyone. Zara here. Very excited to actually co-host. Glad to have you here. Zara's usually behind the scenes, helping on the production end of things. But uh, she's here today. Um, Hope everybody's having a great 4th of July weekend. Uh, we've, we've had good weather so far I like the heat though So I don't know it's, it, it was a hot day it was, It's was. it been hot in New York Well it's been a really messed up uh, Climate per se Yeah well, Climate's pretty crazy these days So today we're talking about uh, in, in, in the spirit of the 4th of July weekend Celebrating Independence Day We're talking about What does it mean to be an American So there's a lot of different perspectives on this, and there's a lot of different people who have different, you know, takes, different views, different ideas of what patriotism is and what's required of someone who's an American, and we're going to get into that today. But first, let's start with the one plus one equals two, which is the definition of what it means to be an American. So when you hear the word American... It means something relating to or characteristic of the United States or its inhabitants or a native or citizen of the United States. So that's the uh, textbook's definition. Um, MDG says this. There is a lot of, I, I mean... You could be born here now and you, you're American. You could uh, have immigrated here and become a citizen and become American. But let's be realistic. The Native Americans were true Americans because they were here first. <laughs> but Are the real Americans? Yeah. I, I can only say that because I'm part Native American, so I'm going to jump on the box. No, but, it, you know, that's I'm just... In all seriousness, you know, there is anybody who lives here and uh, is a citizen now is considered American. And a lot of Americans, you know, you attach like Zara, for instance. I mean, yeah, I mean, at this point, I think that the concept of what it means to be American have sort of evolved, um, you know, coming from, you know, that perspective of um you know, being born here, but I think that this country, in terms of its history, have always been built with people moving in, right? I think that the way I sort of see what it means to be American, even in its starting point, we're talking, you know, the so-called, you know, founding fathers per se, have sort of started that um, by, you know, coming into the country, right? Their descendants are actually people who came in and really talked about freedom and you know in terms of you know religious freedom what it means to be persecuted from where they're coming from and so what does that look like in the context of sort of the new groups that are coming in today um and you know do we put limits into who's coming in or do we sort of define um being american as just those who are native to being here or um do we open our doors right and so that's sort of where we are you know now in 2017 um you know given that 
that, as I said earlier, that this country is built with people moving in, mm -hmm. you know. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so we can sort of explore what that background looks like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Boom, well said. Well, so last week, this has turned into a family affair for me. So last week, I had my Uncle Carl, my father's brother, uh, when we did our sports edition. And this week, I go to the other side, to the Irish side of my family, and I have... It, it's he's my mom's brother and he's my uncle but people always think we're cousins because we're only two years apart like we kind of grew up we were little kids together and um he's uh one of my favorite people um he's kind of one of my heroes too even though he's closer to me in age i i do have to say that he at one point in my life probably helped save my life because he was the one that convinced me to move to uh binghamton and get my gd and go to college and go to school and whatnot um he's he, an educator he happened to be um a person who i've been friends with for years and have actually started teaching with me as well so it's kind of interesting to see where this conversation goes in the context of what it means to be an educator but also what it means to serve um different groups yeah so. it's true I, I couldn't leave that out i, I met zara through through my uncle. And anyway, so without further ado, welcome to the show is my uncle, Chris Kelly, who me, you, you'll hear me and my sister at times when we reference to him. We call him Geesey in the family. It's a nickname thanks to my cousin Asia. <laughs> because when she was a kid, she couldn't say Chris, so she said Geese, and then it kind of stuck. So welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. So, um... I guess first, Zara, you you are someone who actually migrated here and went mm -hmm. through the citizenship process and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm curious to know, before you, how old were you when you came to the States? Well, I came to the country when I was 13, um, but I think what's usually important and I get this a lot I also serve migrant um, students so it's always interesting to find out what their concept of being American looks like right uh, what do we look like actually what does the United States look like in the eyes of um, people looking at us globally or outside of the country and so I probably reflected some of that aspect before coming in in the context that for me what it means to be American is defined by what's in the media right um, you know, I grew up watching 21 Jump Street and all of that kind of show. And so for me, um, being American, at least coming from back home, reflects just sort of like the white and the black community that exists in the United States. Um, but upon being here, uh, I spent most of my life here actually longer than I have been in the Philippines. And so that sort of changed, right, in terms of... Um, learning politics here, but also, um, like I said, serving different communities. Um, I started working in the Bronx. I served, you know, the Black and Latino communities, and then now being in a migrant school that sort of helped define what the politics look like here, but also what American right means uh, for the folks who I've met, and you know, even for myself, and how to define that. So I think that in terms of identity politics, that's always sort of um, a big question in, you know, being here in the U.S. Mm. And uh, Gacy, Chris, what, so you 
tell everybody I know this, but um tell everybody like where where you grew up. Uh so I grew up in um a very small town in upstate New York. Um about twenty minutes west of Binghamton. Uh pretty rural, very white, very homogenous, um and very different from where I live and work now. Mm. And what was your, and was there a, did you feel like growing up, did you have, where, where, at what point was the concept of I'm American and what it meant to live in America and, or what was your initial understanding of that? I don't think that I, I actually think for me, it was a little bit of the opposite. I grew up and I kind of just always felt like American. Um, I'm white and I'm male, so that real I wasn't really limited or um, put in a box by society. Um, but when I moved to New York with the last name Kelly, with a quote-unquote big round patty head uh it was the first time i was ever really identified as irish like mm. i always knew i was irish but like it was never the first thing that people noticed about me until i moved to new york city mm. well you were so you're number 17 yes of grandma and grandpa's 20 kids and mm-hmm. your town how many other people had families that size nobody or even, or even like families of like ten kids. Or more. Well, there were the other Kellys. They had about twelve, um, and then there were here and there families that had five or six. And did you did you feel like that was a characteristic common with uh, Irish American families, or I think that. Um, for Irish people, it's it's more, you know, 12 was a good number. Um, obviously, my parents, like, really went crazy with that. Uh, so, uh, again, like, it didn't, that was another thing. Like, until I moved to New York, like, I just, I just felt like American. Yeah. When I moved, once I was here, you know, granted, like, given the fact that, like, uh, the people with the Irish accents in, in our background were uh, like my great aunt Katie. Uh, so like it was easy for me to identify as American from a young age. Mm-hmm. But when I moved to New York City, it was like almost like I can tell people like, whoa, whoa, I grew up here, but they refuse to acknowledge it. Like they they like they insist that I'm like Irish, <laughs> except the Irish people. They call me like American, plastic patty, whatever. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh. So one thing that I'm sort of curious about, um, you know, coming in, I mean, for me, what it means to at least be defined paper-wise to be American is being naturalized, right? Um, and I think that, you know, part of the thing that I mentioned earlier, what it sort of like evolved, right, what um, the definition of American looks like. So I'm kind of curious in terms of, hyphenation right do you usually um sort of refer as being irish american or do you just say i'm an american like how do you sort of like define yourself in the context of that um given the population i work with uh i really 
I don't really identify publicly as anything. Like, I don't feel, like, particularly in light of uh, this past election and the fact that America's true colors are, are showing, mm-hmm. I don't feel that I want to identify as something that is being unfairly taken away to, from other people. Mm. Mm. So, in that context... Um how do you explain, right? Because it's always interesting to work with migrant students. How do you sort of explain that with folks who are not necessarily born here or folks who are, you know, even quote-unquote be labeled as undocumented? Um, how do you sort of see what it means to be, you know, if someone asks you American, how do you sort of help them understand that? I think that for me, given that I work with um, immigrants for a living, um, they need to know that the narrative that's pushed out there and the fact that we have a president that doesn't value them, he pretends that he does. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when hate crimes are happening and he says nothing, we know exactly where he stands. Mm-hmm. So for me, the, more, the most important thing for me is that my, my kids know that in my eyes they're whatever they want to be mm-hmm. um, and that this limited version of a, of what it is to be American is n- that I don't be- that I don't ascribe to that um, yeah. and also just going back to like the the word American mm-hmm. like I remember when I was a child going but why am I American, but they don't call Canadians American. Why don't they call Mexicans Americans? We're all in America. Right. And I remember as like a young child in Rednecksville, New York, (laughs) where we saw Confederate flags, for some reason, hanging outside the houses, well, for some reason, which is racism, hanging outside the houses of people (laughs) in upstate New York, then, you know. You know, it's funny to me because like, me being biracial and two different so for me like i said i do i do love this country i'm ashamed of a lot of stuff that happens in the name of this country but i love the idea of i i think that we got to this concept through through thousands and thousands and thousands of years of human existence and trying to come up with systems that work the idea of a democratic republic was great and even the constitution even though at the time when they wrote it, there was a little, there, you know, there was a certain group of people. Some mm-hmm. people they didn't, they didn't exactly pertain to. What did they consider people? Exactly. But the document in itself and 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 the ide- ideology mm-hmm. was pretty genius, and it was and pretty on point. I mean, I think it took time for them to be like, well, wait a minute, there's other people here that uh, this needs to apply to, such as these people that you have and chains and working for free and whatnot the people who are being treated as livestock or the very aspect that i think um in defining that does that mean that just because you know the so-called founding fathers kind of figure out their own formula of what a government looks like what does that look like in implementing in other countries will be another question and so i think that um defining american per se has to have a real importance because you know the united states have been looked at as sort of like one of the superpowers since you know post 
I would say even World War One, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at a time period now, 2017, when that's still sort of true. And in, in the context of being American, do we want to continue to be seen as like this sort of like chauvinistic, arrogant type of, you know, definition of being American? Or do we want to be looked at as, you know, folks who are, you know, um, promoting freedom mm-hmm. in the context of, allowing people to also have their own sort of self-determination, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what's interesting over the years of the development of the United States is that how would you define, you know, being an American when we're also, you know, we also have like new groups that comes in all the time. So you go from like the British that came in to, um, you know, to allowing um, uh, Southern Europeans to come in like Italians, right? And every single group that enters has to be somewhat either persecuted or, you know, stigmatized in yeah. any way possible. It reminds me of hazing, like yes. in, a, in a sorority or a fraternity like they have to be treated like shit for a while yes yeah and then and then it's their turn to then treat other people it. like shit yeah <laughs> i and, and, and i think some of that also boys this human nature because you know this like the idea of i know we did our episode on racism in america and i went in de- detail but like prejudice is i think a human trait that people form in all kinds of ways but i do think people that systematically find ways to scapegoat certain people as a way to make a society work. Like the president. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and it's not a new thing. You've seen it throughout history. And mm-hmm. the, the the problem with me is, so so let, to finish what I was, for me, why this is a, so for me, my dad, like in my dad's family, mm-hmm. my dad is Native American, mostly black or African American. Um, and and he has some white in him too. Like we have, we're some of his family's descendants of John Hancock. Um, William Hobby is my great grandfather, um, or my great great grandfather, not my great grandfather. So did I'm sorry. he? Um, did he define himself as being American? Who's that? Your father. Well, whether yeah, oh yeah, whether yeah. he liked it or I, not, let, he was a black man in America. Right. Let me tell you where I learned about know. patriotism, about the flag. So mm-hmm. my earliest memory of the flag and of the American flag, and we're gonna. And that's another thing I like to get into because people that are like my flag, my flag, my flag. Um, I was at my first Yankees game. Um, my grandfather took me when I was four years old, mm-hmm. and. When the national anthem came on, my grandpa said, make sure you stand, you hold your hand over your chest. And he was telling me about the flag. And he said, one thing you never do is you never let the flag touch the ground. Mm-hmm. Now, my, let me, a little bit about my grandfather. My grandfather was a World War II veteran and won medals. His father was a world, I believe, World War One vet. Um and it, there's speculation that went back further because there's a whole history to black America that mm-hmm. the last 40 years they tried to eliminate because they wanted to, they wanted to brainwash the black population. They wanted to brainwash not only the black population of what they believe of themselves, but also what the rest of society, how they see black people. Mm-hmm. But there was a large, you know, you got to remember 300 years of slavery, generations and generations of people who eventually got freedom in different ways. There is a whole movement of black folks who fought for freedom, mm-hmm. uh, like joined the military as in exchange for the freedom. Sure. Going back to, I'm talking the American Revolution, um, th- down through the Civil War, and then people that had bought and owned land and whatnot. And and my great 
great grandfather was one of those people. My great grandfather owned land in mm-hmm. South Carolina, a lot, huge land, a farm, which wasn't common. Mm-hmm. That was common to people that were the black cowboys who were usually former soldiers. So anyway, that being said, it was ingrained into me from that grandfather about what it meant to have the flag. And then through, um, I would say, you know, people in, in my mom's family were somewhat, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, wait, hold up. Let me track back a little bit. My question to that, though, right? So being African-American, right? This is another hyphenation when we're talking about African-American or being black in mm-hmm. the United States does not mean, and having the property per se, does that mean that they were accepted as being American? And I think that's sort of where I sort of see what or how it can be blurred out, right? Because how do you, first of all, a long time, well, first of all, blacks weren't considered um, American in terms of the constitution, right? So it wasn't until... They weren't considered a full person. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. they were also not considered a citizen, nor were they considered American. No, they are considered right? property. Exactly. And so to be a property, ar- you are not a human being. So even with well, not that... Not all black. Not all black. Only the blacks if you were... Like if you were, if you were a black person who came here legally from somewhere else... Because people will use this argument just to clarify there were black people of color who exist at that time that weren't slaves Absolutely. but and the they, majority weren't and there were and in fact there was cases where those people got yes. mistaken for slaves and yes. forced into and, slavery right and we're questioning that's anyway, what i mean right? what you're saying, is yeah. that for you even even if you're coming from say a freed family right and that is sort of like your descendant but for you to even be stopped and be questioned if you are a free person or if you are an American person is sort of problematic. Because then, so African Americans got the title of what it means to be an American, and then you have Native American. What do you do with that? Mm-hmm. A group of people who have been here mm-hmm. way before everybody else. And again, coming from, like I said, my perspective of the history of the United States, they are also sort of like another group that had migrated. I mean, technically, right? Um, there were Asians that came through coming here in the United States. I just have to say that. Um, but in the context of... But if you want to get deep with it, all human beings started in Africa. Africa At one point, we were Asia. all African. <laughs> At one point, all human beings were African. That's been scientifically yes, proven. Yes, that's but anyway, very true. But anyway, to your point. But being here in the Americas, including the United States, right, is, so how do you define that when you have certain groups that do you deny the people who come in when at the end of the day, this country is sort of like founded in that way. You have constant movement of people that Mm -hmm. come in. You have constant movement of new folks to come in and sort of like what um, Chris had mentioned earlier, like like this hazing process Mm -hmm. of, you know, going into one group, group and then yeah. yeah marginalized but also stigmatized that particular group and they're like okay we're done with this group so we're going to go into the next group that's coming in mm-hmm. so now we're in the present day of 2017 right and i still think that Whew, black yeah. people are not considered full oh, people yeah. in this country it depends on recognition it depends on who who you like systematic uh, systematically uh, yeah yeah like, like speaking see no, for me is yeah. for me is like uh, there's been this awareness systemic racism is a thing that if you're a person of color you've been a most for the most part you've been aware of it your whole life and then then there's the different type within there there's how you handle it um i would go to say like for me 
I kind of attached to some of what my dad's family is to where when people say something too much making us feel victimized, we get a little defensive because it's like, oh, hold up, I ain't mm-hmm. nobody's victim. But that's not saying that. That's not to deny that the race is, that the problem is there and that the people are there because, once again, I, not, we don't want to take away from what people of color had, had accomplished that white America, quote unquote, mm-hmm. white supremacy wanted to force people to not and this is why on that note with the hyphenations, my, I, it's split in my family, in my mm-hmm. dad's family. There is a portion of my father's family who does not refer to themselves as African-American. They mm-hmm. refer to themselves as black American. And my aunt, my dad's cousin, Yvonne, in her book she wrote, she explained why this was. Because the term for blacks or for people of color post-slavery changed and went from Negroes, or right. went from colored to Negro to African American, mm-hmm. because we're like we gotta have a term to to, to specify that you guys are different. <laughs> Politically speaking, that you guys are different <laughs> from us. Yeah. And the reason they use the term Black American because the, there's a reality. Even though we know at some point in time we had a descendant that came from Africa, you're talking. The, the the farthest descendants we could trace were born into slavery. Mm-hmm. So it's the first generation that was gained freedom. And so as as it, the way they felt is to say that by saying black American, that's because like we're not we're just as American as anybody else, but we're just right. black Americans. Um, Plus the records were destroyed. So people some people they would like to trace their roots back to Africa, and they can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only way to do it now is through DNA, which is a yeah. cool thing. We have actually discussed. My my cousin, my one cousin, did it, but he, you know, he's a cousin, so I don't. We don't know. I don't know what's his dad's yeah. side and what is his mom's side. Um, we're gonna actually. My uncle uh, agreed to do it sometime in the next month, so we're gonna wait and see what happens. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, and, and with the hyphenations, this is why. Like I call my mom. I will say my mom is Irish American. Because okay. we know, like, my grandparents are both, like, I mean, there's some other shit mixed in there, but they're both Irish. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. my family's very, there is things in my family that you see are very Irish customs. <laughs> you don't even know until you go to Ireland. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what it was? I, I just thought it was white trash until I went to Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> I, when I read the book Angela's Ashes, I mm. swear to God, so much stuff made sense to me. Like I was like, Do you know how many times people have given me that book as a gift? And you're like, I have like a hundred of these, yeah. <laughs> because they're like, this is you. This is how you talk. This it, is how you are. It's funny because I'm looking for Tiz the sequel, and I I, I went into I a bookstore, and they're like, I don't. Have, you do? I got. Yeah. You gotta let me borrow that Somebody and never gave give me it that back. That as a gift too. You'll probably never get it back, but I brought. No, I was playing. I give it to you. Um, but um, I so I say Irish American. Because I know that's what my mom is. Um, but that's what makes America, America. Yeah. If you, and if you don't look at the people, if you don't listen to the people who mm-hmm. have this small-minded, narrow version of what it is to be America, and if you look at the history of this country, everybody's hyphenated because America, you know, melting pot, salad bowl, whatever yeah, you want to call it. Exactly. Right. Uh, that's what makes America America. That's what makes America yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the things, you know, 
they love to say America isn't great or it used to be mm. great. It's one of the few things that I really respect about this country is because my students can come here and uh, they can be whatever they were back home. They can be Dominican, they can be Bengali, they can mm-hmm. be uh, Israeli, they can be Colombian, but also they can be American too, mm-hmm. especially in Queens. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, that's that's one of the best things. It's one of the few things recently that makes me proud uh, to be an American. So, yeah, I'm a little sort of in the contradictory side of this though is so coming from the Philippines I grew up knowing English because the school system was in English it's an American system and my parents uh, raised me by fighting against military U.S. military bases so my parents um, you know growing up I watched them sort of um, you know battle um, you know, U.S. military bases in the Philippines, right? So my concept, and, and, and it's very interesting because, like I said, I grew up knowing English. I grew up in an American sort of school system. And, um, you know, I would say in terms of what I understand about um, the Philippine history, that it was, it became a semi-colony to the United States, right? Though we were not um, at any point would have been considered American at that point. McKinley would have to say that, oh, no, I don't know what to do with these brown people, right? Um, So everybody else can be sort of American, but we can't do that with the Filipinos, right? Um, And so I'm a little sort of torn, and even though I am naturalized per se, um, it's, it's something that I also explore even with different migrant groups because if you are, so we went from, and I say we in terms of the U.S. government, um, coming from, you know, allowing people to come in here, establishing the country here to the extent of like, oh, maybe we should explore um, going into other countries. And so to be defined as American, does that mean, as I said earlier, does that mean that we go into different countries and have this entire uh definition of what it also means to be civilized because does being American mean that you're being civilized or does being American mean that because you you accept it as such does that mean that it's an actual uh, model sort of culture for other countries right Mm -hmm. and I think I'm a little torn about that coming from that sort of perspective and you know um, experience and I also think that you know, being in the United States, and as I said, I spent most of my life here as I have actually, you know, in comparison to my time in the Philippines, but the peculiarity of racism and among other things are actually very specific to the United States. And I think that sort of defines the idea of being American here Mm. in this country. Interesting. Interesting. So it's a lot of like you're coming from the perspective of a, uh, I don't want to say occupied country. You can say that. I could say that. Maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So an occupied. But the thing is, is that I equate occupied. occupation with like you know the as in um, 
I have, I'm a person of very mixed emotions when it comes to imperialism. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not 100% against it, depending on how it's done, in the sense that, well, because this is the way I look at it. Like, I, I, I think that the way you treat the people where you're at matters, but I think that corporate, the, the one of the downsides of capitalism is that when it's unchecked, they find out, ooh, here's a loophole. We got military people here. We can... Mm-hmm utilize them as cheap labor and that happens and it's messed up and it shouldn't happen but i also like the people are like oh the u.s thinks they police the world wherever mm-hmm. well the reality is there's some wars that we're involved in before the business of war became a thing uh, so before before we became a business of military you know corporations figured out how to u- manipulate our military to their benefit but for instance like world war ii uh-huh. this was a I believe a necessary war. I've heard other. I've I've yet to see a violent conspiracy theory that disputes that it was not a necessary. And it, as has been the case in war throughout history, when the country that wins usually leaves some kind of. Our way of doing it is, like with Germany, the winners are the ones who write history. That's true. Or the very aspect that. So here's the thing with that: if we're talking about war, right? Does the United States want to be defined as such, right? Mm-hmm. That you go into this country and you engage into a war. So yes, I mean, World War II is the last war that exists that was actually um, signed by Congress. So then what do we do with the other sort of... Oh, police, um, they're really technically they're police informal, actions. Informal. Well, sort of sometimes war. not even police actions. Like if you if you look at Honduras, mm-hmm. um, at... Those are military, and this is the this is the thing that pisses me off when mm-hmm. um, white Americans talk about illegal immigrants. It, what are you doing as an activist, which is nothing? What are you doing <laughs> to keep us from screwing up life for the people in these countries? Mm-hmm. I have students who have fled countries like Honduras. Students who have escaped war, who've who've had their parents killed, yes. uh, and who have fled for their safety from drug cartels mm-hmm. because of our drug war, because of regime change, uh, from things that are both political parties. Sadly, only we can say both uh, in this country. Um, or supported we, by the United yeah, States. They, yes. uh, we we have this foreign policy of regime change. And then we make it so that they can't live in their their home countries. And then when they come here illegally, we blame them Mm -hmm. for coming here uh, because they didn't want to die, basically, is why they left these countries. Yeah. And I think that's where the ignorant... I mean, some people... This is when we're talking about types of Americans. The people that have this idea of entitlement, that you think because you were born here that you have some sense of entitlement that makes you better than anybody else. And half of those people are a bunch of morons. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll say this, in my opinion, uh, the whole reason Trump was able to win is because he's not as dumb. He's not really as dumb as he acts. He comes across as dumb, but he actually well, really, he, he understood people were dumb. <laughs> he understood that people were dumb. He, right. he, he learned the media. To the he was an entertainer, form. and he figured out. He's like, hmm. I'm going to get you because he was in the group with the, the two party system, which was which is screwed and has been screwed. And, I, I, you know, that's a whole other discussion, mm-hmm. um, which is the people's fault, because we 
it's like our the things that make America good have also been our vices that have made us lazy and weak. People don't take time to educate themselves. Mm-hmm. We talked about this in you know a couple episodes ago on the Age of Information episode, but the point being is like a lot of what you're speaking about is, and this is where I say about mixed emotions about imperialism. The when it's what's left over after a justified war. And it still has to be handled the same way. But when there's these secret military actions that take place, because those are corporate, those are where corporations buy politicians and figure out ways to manipulate our military Mm -hmm. in order to gain their interests, and then they rape and pillage whatever country they're in. That's, yeah, it's fucked up. That's wrong. That shouldn't happen. But I'm going to track back on that, though, because the reality is, so I'm going to ask the same question. Does the United States or American people today, do you want to be defined as such? Because the reality is... I don't. I, don't. <laughs> I get that, yes. <laughs> and I don't think, I don't think that's really America. Absolutely. It's what we're supposed to be. Right. But the reality is when we look at countries around the world, and I can say this, and I, I share sort of similar experience with Chris here, who also service migrant students, right? That at the end of the day, people are going to define you as to like what they see in the media, what do they see around them? If you're talking about McDonald's and Starbucks and all of those corporate, you know, that you sort of mentioned, Matt, um, about, you know, being in these other countries, then does that mean that being American is such? And so, yeah, I, mean, I agree with you. Of course, I've been here in this country for 23 years. I agree that, we're, you know, this country is a lot more than that. However, if you're looking in the outside perspective and you're looking at um, – in, in a global sense, right? I remember talking to a student and telling me, uh, and, and their definition of black American is still this negative connotation to this very present day. I had to correct a student who was from Egypt because he was so adamant about like, oh, black people are bad. And that's because it's coming from the media. And I, I, I had to sit down and spend some time really, you know, sort of um, engaging with him about what the media is saying and what mm. really the United States is. Mm-hmm. And so do we, do, do we or does the United States or people who consider themselves American, do you want to define, you know, define yourself as such, right? Chris? That's like, uh, I've had students where I've literally apologized to them for what we have done in their countries. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I can't teach you unless you really know that I care about you. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that if, if a student doesn't genuinely think that I care about them and that I understand what they've been to, through, I've had students that I've apologized to for the actions of this country. I'm sorry that, that the United States did this in, in the name of freedom, mm-hmm. when in the reality it was just to make profits for companies that, you know, make money off of war right. or... In reality, it's the drug, the drug war, which, as you know, we all know, people have come right out. People who have, who uh, were part of the beginning of the drug war, have come right out and admitted that this was about race. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've apologized to these students, not, a, not on behalf of me personally, but on behalf of, you know, as an American. I'm sorry. I hope that you don't think that I would have mm-hmm. favored this. Mm-hmm. And some of them don't even know how far-reaching the actions of the American government are in their own countries. Mm -hmm. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's a lot of times where it comes to the class system because, I mean, there's even people... I mean, here it, the same wool that gets pulled over people here's eyes, or like you get sold this smoke. It, it's also done there. Like they, be, part of part of the, uh, you know, and this is going to sound a little conspiracy theorish, theoryish, but this is discu- based on discussions that I've had with different people, and some of the things that it appears to happen in certain countries, countries, especially in the Middle East, is mm-hmm. there's certain interest groups that want. You want people to hate America because you want them to act a certain way so that they can be like, oh, look, see, we got to f- be afraid of them and justify whatever. Uh, I would argue that the American government has an interest in wanting certain groups of people to hate us. To be hated. Yeah. Because I, I, the, the war on terror has mm-hmm. been, quote yeah. unquote, has been a boon for uh, certain weapons manufacturers and certain yeah the 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 the, the business of militarization that's and that's what i was saying about the industrial complex and i I, i'm i'm also very i am also very careful about generalization even when i say the government as a whole i think part people in the government because remember the government is the body that we are the people elect but the problem is a we don't truly elect them anymore with gerrymandering Mm. and with um Voter suppression and the new quote unquote voter, you know, the laws that are supposed to prevent voter fraud, which is a farce. Uh, with those things, we don't truly elect the people that we want. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's just look at the presidential election. It comes, it came down to swing states. Right. Yeah. And, you know, anybody who knows me knows that I didn't. I absolutely hated Hillary Clinton's foreign policy. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't yeah. for either of them. But at the end of the day, the election was a joke. The, yeah. ma- the majority of Americans spoke and the, the majority of Americans were ig- ignored. Yeah. But I mean, in all fairness, it's been that way before. The, the Electoral yes. College has existed for... It's been in hundred years. years. So, I mean, like, (laughs) so it it just, it sucks that in this particular case, we had a situation where we, because we got someone like Trump in there that is just. Yeah. Now now the Democratic Party wants to change it. The guy, this is my favorite with Trump. Like he, he, you know, he does all of, if you were to make a checklist of how fascism happens. Mm-hmm. Like he fought almost every one of those, and right. like you, you see these. Like I see people post these memes with Ronald Reagan. Fascism will come in the form of liberalism, and I'm like, Ronald wanna, Reagan was I a liberal ask, compared to Trump. And yeah, and I want, <laughs> but I want to ask the person who posted that, like, okay, can you name? And they don't know. They can't list anything on the checklist because they're fucking people are so dumb. And and, and, and I'm not being about so, solely Republicans wait. because I know plenty. Pre- pre- plenty of liberals that are dumb as fuck too which are part of the reason why we have this situation that's why we got stuck where we are yeah 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 so that's the thing is it being dumb or is it just as i said earlier what type of information did they get at the end of the day right i mean you i mean we did an episode on the age of technology so we know how that sort of gets limited at the end of the day Mm -hmm. so if we are talking about how the rest of the world is supposed to see us, right? And I, as I said, and this is, I mean, I was 13, and this is back all the way in 94 when I came into this country. However, when I talk to students of today, and now it's 2017, I'm talking about immigrant students of today, 
and they're still sort of seeing the United States as the same way, then what does that mean about how we are being projected or how the United States is being projected as American people, right? Because if the rest of the world still sees the United States as just being, you know, white and black, and black being sort of like this negative uh, group to look at, then has it really been sort of different or has it been evolved? And there's so many movements and different things that we can sort of explore with that. And um, I think that that's something that we have to look at, being here in this country, being considered American, how do we sort of work with that? And it gets even more complicated when you do have new groups that are coming in. And talking about wars earlier, the reality is whichever country the United States engage with, whether that be war or anything else in terms of um, intervention per se, those group of people in that particular country, the influx of migrants that will enter from that country will increase. Mm. And so it is not an accident that there are many Middle Eastern peoples that are coming in today. And so I find that interesting. So what does that mean now that you have this group of people that have been so defined as being terrorists and such? How would they, in the context of coming into this country, in the context of, say, being even naturalized or some of their you know, second generation will come in and be born in this country, how would then they define themselves as such, right? Hmm. And that's sort of like where I'm coming from in the context of how, kind of like what Chris mentioned, how their own homelands are being treated. Yeah. And now we're not even letting so many of them in. They said, I, I read something today that by, I think, 2100, they're saying the majority of the largest population of the world will be refugees. Mm. Mm. Not, not necessarily only because of war, also because of climate change. Right. Uh, so it's not too far in the future. Right, which is rooted from the same corporate world. Yeah, which and, and I think is a terrible. I think it's a scary thing because for people who don't pay attention, once again to reiterate, this country became what it was. Like the good parts about it, because of people, all the different people from different places that helped build it, and that's where I where to me it's the stupidity when people are like when someone on one hand be like America, America, and I'm like, do you really know what that means or understand? And they don't usually. Um, my thing with the immigration is this. People, because you say what you, Well, first, let me go back to the last thing you were talking about, like about the concept of black being bad and whatnot and people seeing America as black and white. Well, how we're being, Not the sound. How we're being portrayed at, at the rate At the risk of me sounding like someone, just a big Obama cheerleader. Um, I think that while President Obama was in, that he did a really good job at trying to change that trend. Mm-hmm. Um, as far our approval ratings around the world were, we were were a lot better. Yeah, but there was a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes, and again, like you know how I feel about Trump. So, <laughs> but there were a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes, like a lot of deportations, a lot of things going. Oh yeah, on, well that was the next thing I was going to say. Right. That just made it. That was the next thing I was going to say. It was, and and I mentioned this in a previous episode when I was talking about people are stupid. Yeah, on Obama's watch more people were deported than any other president before yes. him. Yes. However, Obama also did do more to make the immigration process easier for people to become citizens. Yes, and that was with the a Congress that, yeah, that did not want, and 
I don't I know that they know that immigration is good for the economy. I know that they know it because the facts don't lie, the numbers don't lie. They don't want to pass immigration reform because that would be um they would lose their scapegoat. Absolutely. And beyond the scapegoat, I think economically no, speaking, this country have been built by either free to very minimal type of payment. Oh, yeah. Africans I was gonna, I was were not brought in this country and for still no is. reason. Absolutely. And it still is the basis of the new group. So yeah. now you won't go from the Africans that were taken and uprooted from their homelands to the migrants that are coming in that they quote-unquote sold the American dream to, right? Yeah. To talk about being American. Yeah. And once you do that, then now you're talking about selling this idea that they can be American and be accepted, but that's not the case. Yeah. I mean, Trump is in, so talk about Trump. Trump is in a hotel business, and under his administration, he is raising the visas for guest workers, mm-hmm. and that allows... Because it benefits him. Absolutely, that's yep. that's his business. He owns a lot of hotels, and which is falling the Repu- the, the the like not to beat up on one party, but the uh-huh. red state model. And I'll get into yes. what I mean by that. So in having that guest worker visa that allows immigrants to come in for maybe three to six months and then make them undocumented after that. Yep. And so what do you do? So that he can continue to scapegoat them. Uh-huh. And, and pretend and, that they cause the problems caused by rich white men. Yeah, which yeah criminalizes them among many other things. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really what it is. So do we, um, in 2017, do you just allow people to come in when, as I said earlier, the basis of this country is actually people coming in constantly or that you know constant migrant trend to banning, right? Because that's where we're at right now. In 2017, we have people that are being banned to enter this country when the United States military would constantly enter to. So mm. how do we sort of define that? Or how do we want to be defined as being American in that? So w- earlier what I was saying with red state mentality, I grew up in Texas. And what happened is the the Republican Party started to be somewhat re- progressive on immigration around George Bush. Like George W. Bush, for many other things, he was pretty progressive when it came to immigration. Um, Everybody was progressive compared to uh, Trump. Well, but the problem was before, the typical red state mentality was illegal, making it hard, making it illegal, because when people snuck in illegally, you could control them easier. And exploit them. Ex- exactly. And the whole state of Texas... The majority of that economy there was built off of people who were these illegal immigrants that they would pay pennies on the dollar. Look what's happening in California today. Like this week, fields are just fields of crops are rotting because they don't have anybody to pick the fruit. Yeah, and and and, and so what happened is with George Bush, George W. Bush actually made a policy that said even if you're illegal, if you prove you have a job, you can stay. He started some. That what what was a decent reform sure. for people because now it happened. But here's what's the, the problem with that, and Obama followed it up with reforms that he was making. Mm-hmm. Now you have to pay the minimum wage. But what idiots don't realize 
is at the same time, they were still paying taxes. Like, all these idiots are like, they're not paying taxes. Oh, they're paying more taxes. I'm like, motherfucker, they are paying taxes, you dumbass. They're paying more taxes. Many undocumented make it a point to actually pay taxes because they know that that might be a possibility to become a citizen or even just at least get a green card. And they don't get the tax return back. They don't. And this is the other thing, but but this is what I'm saying about the ignorance of mm-hmm. people who say these things. The willful ignorance. But now, Can we just call it willful ignorance? In this day and age, like we said, in the, in, it's the age of information. The information is available. As we, we love to say on this show, Rana, Google is your friend. It can be. you just, you got to do the research. You can find Carefully. it. Carefully. Um. Yeah, doesn't mean go to the freaking uh, rightwingnews.com or liberal, like occupydemocrats.com and think everything you're getting is uh is accurate. You're just gonna be told whatever you're looking for. Um, but you can find accurate information. So anyway, um, yeah, I I, I mean that this where we're at right now is. And it's a bad thing. It's just like you said. There's crops that aren't going to get picked. There's there's jobs that aren't going to be done. We're going to be paying ten ninety nine for a quart of strawberries. Mm-hmm. All I can say is, like, all these people are like, I, I talked to a friend the other day, and he's like, you Trump's kicking ass. He's doing good. I'm like, in what way? Are you delusional? I'm like, homie. But at this point, if you support Trump, and if you don't see the idiocy... You're willfully ignorant. I'm like, you must be a billionaire and I don't realize it yeah. or something. You must have billions well, stacked the, away that's somewhere. That's the sad part uh, is when you buy that off and you're not a billionaire. But anyway, <laughs> so, yeah. We, uh, anyway, but, I, I, you know, like I said, the biggest thing is, is I love this country. I don't like the things we're... Yeah, yeah. I don't like... There's a lot of things that that need to be clarified. Look, if you're a listener and you're listening to this, go do your research and please understand what it really does truly mean to be an American. We're coming to the end here. We got to wrap up. But, um, yeah, so... So before we let you go, Chris, can you tell us if we have to go at 2017 and the experiences that you do have now, can you tell us and define what being American means to you? So to me, there's a, there's a struggle right now as to the identity of what is American. There's the truth and there's the false narrative uh, that is being peddled by Fox News, by Breitbart, by uh, these other Trump-friendly uh, media outlets. Mm-hmm. And also sadly by outlets like cnbc and by just like more quote-unquote progressive media outlets uh because they they like to pretend that they're not racist but anybody who followed the 2016 election knows they are Mm -hmm. uh for me for me uh what i think is american and what people will have to face is within a number of years white people will be the minority in this country. Uh, And it will be not necessarily a minority, but like outnumbered by other subgroups. Right. Uh, So if you can't face that, tough shit. Because it's going to happen. And if you, and if that makes you angry, you have to ask yourself why that makes you angry. Yeah. Because uh, 
if you're so afraid of being the minority, then that means that on some level you know that how we have treated minorities mm-hmm. in this country. And if you're so afraid that the, your identity as an American is going to be lost, then maybe it's time to reevaluate what your identity of, you know, as an American is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing I want to say uh, is that, you know, more small businesses are opened and run by immigrants in this country. Um, in my 13, 14 years of teaching, mm-hmm. um, by and large, the majority of time, the valedictorian is an immigrant. Mm. Uh, most times when you have SIF students who are students who fled countries that are war-torn or whatever, for whatever reason, they missed out on education for two or more years, right. those students are your valedictorians. Next year, we have siblings that are going to be valedictorian and salutatorian in my school, mm-hmm. also immigrants. Uh, my students come in an hour earlier than every student so that they can learn English, and they stay late so that they can get help with their homework. Every bit of the every step in the process of doing homework and doing an assignment or writing an essay takes three times as long because they're doing three times as much work to translate right. and to write and to do the best work they can. These people have the work ethic. They, they work harder than I do. Mm-hmm. So if we, are going to, if we are going to look at what we want America to be, those are the kind of people that we want on board with us. Mm-hmm. So we need to stop alienating them and we need to embrace them and we need to acknowledge that just because they're brown doesn't mean that you know, they're not American. Well, we're coming to the end of the show. Thanks for being with us, Uncle Chris. I hope I have you on again for another episode for another topic sometime. Thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, so I hope everybody has a great 4th of July weekend. And, you know, take the time to appreciate. I'm going to leave you with this. As you're here and you're celebrating our independence and our freedom, take the time to appreciate it, but also recognize that there's somebody out there being denied that. And if you are a person who is okay with that, someone else being denied that because of some something that you don't know about, then maybe you need to really ask yourself what it is you're really celebrating. Please continue to share your ideas with us. As I said earlier, please tell us what you think, what it means to be American. Um, follow us in Instagram, Till the Truth Radio, as well as Twitter, Till the Truth Radio, and email us if you have any thoughts about maybe future shows that we're looking at till the truth uh, radio at gmail.com yes and yeah send us an email let us know what you if you hear anything on the show you disagree with by all means please let us know and we'll talk about it um telling it like it is is produced by myself matt ely zara vignola and veronica ely we are not Republicans, we are not Democrats, we are not conservatives, we are not liberals, we are the realists, and we're always telling it like it is.